He was incredibly calm in Los Angeles, not what you'd expect from a driver in a high-speed car accident, unless the driver was Tiger Woods. The golf legend, known for not getting rattled in the clutch, is out of surgery. He's now stable. Tiger Woods, the five-time Masters Tourney champion, was in a serious car crash on Tuesday. He was heading to film a golf TV series. Authorities say he was driving well beyond the 45-mile-an-hour speed limit down Hawthorne Boulevard in Los Angeles when his car, a Genesis GV80 SUV, went over the center divide and rolled. Woods remained calm and lucid. Multiple major surgeries on his legs later, he's recovering, but his golf career may be over. Life is fragile, and accidents can happen to anyone. But Jesus' words give me hope. I lay down my life for the sheep. They will never perish. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus and a program called Great Stories of Grace. Yesterday, we heard from the president of Malawi in East Africa. He shared about his calling as a Christian, as a minister, and then his call to bring reform to his nation. And it got me thinking about an interview I did with a Mennonite missionary who ministered in a country near Malawi. And he saw firsthand a great move of God that's called the East African Revival. It's been nearly 12 years since we first aired this interview with the late Bishop Don Jacobs. Many years before that, when I first went to seminary, a missions professor would invite Don Jacobs to Philadelphia once a year to speak to his classes to share about this revival movement. I think you'll be blessed in these next few minutes, as I was blessed to hear it again. So please, stay around. And speaking of movements of the Lord, we've been mentioning Dane Ortland's new book called Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. This book didn't have a big marketing campaign behind it, yet the message was something we all needed to hear right now. And that's why it's become a best-selling book. I recently asked Dane to explain to me what Jesus meant when he said he was gentle and lowly in Matthew 11. What he's saying is, number one, I am gentle. In other words, I am the most non-harsh, non-manipulative, tender, guileless person in the universe. Combined with, I am lowly (laughs) in heart. In other words, I'm the most accessible. I'm the most approachable person in the universe. You don't have to take a ticket and get in line. I'm not going to put you on hold. You don't have to, like when you're getting ready to go to the dentist, brush your teeth real well first, clean yourself up. Mm. You come as you are and in no other way. Mm. You don't have to, like a politician, go through security to get to him. He is the most approachable and accessible person in the universe. He says, come to me. You can simply go right to him and he will embrace you into his deepest heart, because that is his deepest joy. Pastor Dane Ortland, I know I've said it before, but this book really ministered to my soul like no other in a very long time. And I believe it will do the same for you as you discover Christ's deepest heart for his weary and faltering people. Call us after this program for your own copy in hardback or the audio version read by the author. You can visit us and make your gift online at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. Or if it's easier, call us after the program at 800 654 
800-65 Haven. And now let's get ready with the Gaither Vocal Band and revive us again. We praise thee, O God, for the Son of thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, find the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, find the glory. Revive us again. We praise thee, O God, for the spirit of light who has shown us our Savior and scattered our night. Hallelujah, find the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, find the glory. listening to Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris, a series this week called Great Stories of Grace. And we're going back to an interview I did in 2009 with a Mennonite bishop in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, who was involved in a great revival in East Africa. After talking with the president of Malawi yesterday, I thought it would be good to hear more about how God has worked in that part of the world. So let's travel back a little over a decade Let's hear this interview together that we did with the help of our friends at WDAC in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Reverend Don Jacobs, my brother in Christ, welcome to this program. Thank you, Charles. It's good to be on. Thank you for being with us and and your presence. I wanted to have you on because years ago, when you were just a young man, fresh out of school and newly married, the Lord took you as a Mennonite missionary 
to Tanzania, and it went by another name then, but uh, were you really ready to be sent by the Lord to go to Tanzania? When is one ready? That's well, a good that's question, good. Charles. Uh, it's true. I, I was born and raised in the Mennonite Church in western Pennsylvania, and uh, I was baptized at an early age. I think it was, you know, it was part of the growing up. I'm not sure that too much happened to me. But then when I was a senior in high school, 16 years old, I met the Lord in a very dramatic way. He just completely transformed my life. Uh, I wasn't looking for him. I was, in fact, I was running away. Uh, but I was adrift, and he, he caught me. And he made it clear to me at that point that the most important thing for me was to, to stay close to him, to walk with him. And uh, that was the beginning of my journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, after that, I went through. I taught several years, five years in high school, and and so on, and and uh, went on with with education, got a few degrees, and you know that that initial love for Jesus really went cold. Uh, mm-hmm. But my wife and I prepared to be missionaries in Tanzania, and ten years later, uh, we found ourselves on the shores of the Great Lake Victoria yes. in Tanzania as Christian missionaries. Well, yeah, you were around 25 years old, newly uh, tw- married. Ex- exactly, 25, and we had uh, no children at the time, but we were blessed with a, with a little girl in the first year we were in Tanzania. It was a great blessing. Well, let, let's talk about that a little bit, because I know you've told me this in the past when we've spoken, the fact that you went to be the missionary, but the end result was other people were missionaries to you, but you had to go to Tanzania. You you went having all the answers, I guess is what I'm saying. Right? Well, uh, you know, I was full of self-confidence, and, and I had all my answers ready. Uh, I was trained, and um, oh, the world was lucky to get me. And as I <laughs> moved out, I, I was soon teaching in a teacher's college, and then the Lord, uh, who met me 10 years ago, began to get involved in my life in a, in a deeper way and began to let me fail. Some of the projects that I was working on just didn't come through. My anger, I thought I had con- controlled my anger, and, and I somehow it happened that I, I found myself full of racial pride and, and my own achievements. And, you know, I got myself quite in the dither. I was ready to go home, really, Charles. I, I had about had it. I, I was trained and all the rest, but the Lord just left my world fall apart. Mm-hmm. And it was in this context that I, I just broke and mm-hmm. realized that my life has to somehow get renewed. And it was then when I realized by bankruptcy that you know, I came to the Lord with the conviction of sin almost like 10 years before. And the cross just loomed ahead of me and became the answers to all my need. And I found myself released as a sinner saved by grace. And uh, in that context, I was fortunately surrounded by by some brothers and sisters who were at the mission at the time. And uh, they loved me and opened their, their hearts to me. And soon I found myself in a little fellowship of light something that I hadn't participated in since I was a new Christian. But there it was in Africa, and I enjoyed, really enjoyed uh, this new life in that situation. And that introduced me to what what had been, was being called the East Africa Revival. Don, before you tell us 
about the East Africa revival, which I want you to do, tell me a little more about what happened. You went there to Tanzania. You were teaching at first. You had all the answers. Mm -hmm. Uh, What was it like? Were the Africans in Tanzania who were believers and were committed to, to seeing Jesus and trying to see Jesus every day, were they patient with you? What, what was happening there? Oh, they, they were so patient with me that it hurt. Uh, I wish they'd have argued with me uh, because I wanted to argue with them, thinking that this revival was too simplistic and too pietistic, and I had all the, you know, all the answers for that because I had been trained uh, away from that kind of thing. But uh, they loved me, and this love, the love of Jesus, came through these people, and it really pushed me up against the cross. There was no other way. They were nice to me, but they was, there was no argument. There was, there was no trying to convince me that they walked away. And there was one teacher uh, at the college from Uganda, a, a dear Ugandan brother who I came to admire greatly, just uh, leached onto me and uh, loved me. We'd take walks together. He'd share his life in Christ together. And I think that also increased the hunger in my life. Then when I broke at the cross there, and realized my sinnerhood and that I need to have cleansing all over again and a renewed work of the Holy Spirit in my life. He was right there, hmm. and, and together with some others, and uh, there was a little group that was meeting on a regular basis at the time, and I found uh, that tremendous delight of Christian fellowship, which had nothing to do with denomination or race or culture, but it was centered right on Christ, and we, we just walked with our needs uh, Shared, we shared our needs with one another, and that uh, produced uh, something in my life which was extraordinary, and it continues until today. Well, what about your wife, Ruth? Uh, uh, yeah, well... Where, where was she at all she of this? About the same time. Now, she, uh, you know, I, I met the Lord like bang, uh, and she was raised in a Christian home, and uh, her father was a pastor and so on. Her experience was more like a flower opening. But when we uh, were in Tanzania... And we were really walking with the brothers and sisters there. She began to really uh, deal with her ego as well. And uh, she learned the way of brokenness and joy. And uh, so we walked together. There was hardly a time uh, in our life together as, as husband and wife that we were really far apart from one another spiritually. And so that walk that we had uh, with the Lord, that was really the basis of our whole missionary career then, entire 20 years, was uh, was my wife and me fellowshipping in light with one another as brother and sister, as well as husband and wife. And what we learned in revival worked absolutely beautifully in the home, and uh, it, it transformed us, there's no doubt about that. Mm. If you just joined us, yes, this is Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris from Southern California, but coming to us from Pennsylvania today is a real-life Mennonite bishop, Don Jacobs, who's talking to us about his life in Tanzania, and now you've been back in the States for a number of years, and you've been telling us a little bit about the East Africa Revival, which Mm -hmm. started in the 20th century, early 20th century, went on for decades. And if you could put it into a nutshell, because I know there are a lot of pastors listening and they probably got their pens out or their computers are open and they're wanting to write down, just tell me the four things or the three things that make up the East Africa Revival, because I'm desperate for revival in my church or in my own heart. And a lot of us who aren't even pastoring are saying that too. Don, what was the East Africa? I, I, wish, 
I wish I had an easy answer to that. Uh, it was uh, it was really uh, making Jesus central, and not only Jesus, but the crucified, risen Jesus. The, and blood cleansing became a very important part of it, and being led by the Spirit into new experiences in life was very much there. But it was all in fellowship, and the uh, commitment to live with the brothers and sisters in light, with sharing your life, receiving light and counsel from others, uh, walking, keeping right up to date, day by day, sins forgiven, new victories, the uh, calamities uh, also came under the under the blood and so on. Just just life together is what made it, and it was a vision of Christ which is very very personal. Jesus loves us. Jesus is Jesus is everything we need. The centrality of Christ became known. Now there were signs and wonders. Of course, there are signs and wonders in almost every revival. But fortunately in East Africa, signs and wonders did not deter or, or deflect the, the vision of Jesus. In fact, I suppose that if you ask one of the brothers or sisters there, what is the greatest work of God, the greatest sign and wonder, they would say that, that Jesus loves me, that he broke my heart, and that mm-hmm. he conquered me. And it's only as Jesus conquers me that I can conquer the enemy. So it's that idea of brokenness, humility, standing at the cross, living in the resurrection. These types of revival people made it very, very clear that revival can never be a formula. You can never get it down into four points. The people have been writing Roy Hessian. Uh, the uh, Calvary Road, yes. The Calvary Road. You, you tried to tell this story without, without a formula, because as soon as there's a formula, where is Jesus? So the is is always get back to Jesus, and, and it's the Jesus that died for our sins and is now living with us in the resurrected life. And this is, it's almost so simple. Uh, I do remember that one of the bishops, Bishop Omadi from Tanzania, he was Anglican, went to the first uh, conference uh, of Anglican bishops in England. The Archbishop of Canterbury said, Bishop Omadi, tell me how this, when did this East Africa revival start? And Bishop Omari told me with a twinkle in his eye, he said, I told the Archbishop, I think it was about 2,000 years ago <laughs> when Jesus died on that cross in Calvary. <laughs> so that's really the way it is. There's a simplistic way of just saying, Jesus matters, Jesus is all there is, and let's, let's follow him and let's not let anything overgrow him, but let him live in the fullness of our life. But the important thing is to realize our sinnerhood, to be broken and to realize that our greatest joy is having Jesus as Lord of our lives. Now, I don't, I, that's not a formula, but it's a, it, it's a note of joy, and I think that that's really what the East African Revival is about. It's about 80 years now. and that Has it been? That, and it's, it's still going. You go to East Africa today, you'll, there'll be there'll hundreds, probably thousands of fellowship groups all the way to Tanzania, Uganda, Kenya, meeting on a regular basis, sharing this life, people getting uh, getting saved on a regular basis. Uh, now, salvation there means really following Christ. And it's a revival that never produced a, a denomination. Hmm. We were always encouraged to lift up Jesus right where we are, but to never neglect the fellowship that we have with one another uh, above and beyond the denominations, a spiritual, sort of a spiritual home. So it so it did uh, have an impact on uh, denominational bodies, people in denominational groups such as Seventh Day Adventist, Anglican, Mennonite, like yourself, uh, right Baptist, across the board, Methodist, Presbyterian, right? Wow, 
Wow. Even SDAs. It was, uh, became a personal matter. Uh, each individual, of course, came to Christ. But then they had they related in small groups, and uh, that's a, that's the hmm. that's that's the secret of it. And nobody nobody put this together. In fact, Roy Hessian, who wrote the Calvary Road, when he went to East Africa to, to kind of see what was going on, he wanted to find the leader. <laughs> and uh, he re- reported that he, when he came back, he reported that you know, there's the, the, just a whole bunch of middle nobodies out there, uh, but the Lord is being lifted up, and that's about what it is. It uh, it's, a, it's talk about a grassroots revival. It was that pretty well describes it. Well, it, it it wasn't organized like platform evangelism would have been in say North America and even in other parts of the world today. Let, let me just ask you this, Don. Mm-hmm. Here I am in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I'm speaking of all North America, even among Christians. It's all about me. Mm-hmm. What I heard you say a moment ago when I asked you to describe the East Africa revival, define it for us, you were telling me I had to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I had to be open to brothers and sisters in Christ. I had to be on my knees figuratively every day, mm-hmm. if not literally. Mm-hmm. Give me some advice. I am so beset by the world in which I live today, which is telling me it's all about me, and I feel that way deeply inside myself. Give me some advice here, some advice that's coming from the Lord and not just on Jacobs. <laughs> I think Jesus said, it. deny yourself and follow me. Self-actualization, self-realization does not become part of the life. It's Jesus' realization it's the realization of Jesus in one's life that really gives full, real fulfillment. I know this sounds contrary to the American values of individual rights and all the rest, but let's let's face it, the word of Jesus uh, is completely contrary to that. And he said, walk with me, and walking with Jesus means walking with the brothers and sisters. And we cannot ever walk with Jesus alone. His whole purpose is to put us uh, in a walking light relationship with brothers and sisters so that we, at least a few people, can speak into our lives, can challenge us, and that we can challenge them, we can rejoice together. And not just on a church basis, but I'm speaking about uh, walking in the Spirit with, with one another. And we call it in East Africa walking in light. Uh, they use the word mwanga, which is light. And it's walking in the light of God and walking in light with the brothers and sisters. And if we walk in the light, as First John says, then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Christ goes on cleansing us. And that's our freedom. That's our joy. And it's the Calvary way and it's the way that leads right to glory. Mm, mm. Don Jacobs, I, I want to walk in the light of Jesus. I need to walk in the light of Jesus. And I think there are a lot of people listening right now who are thinking the very same thing. Would, would you mind leading us in prayer, please? Lord Jesus, you came to live among us. You showed a way. You taught words. You showed your virtues. But when we saw you die on the cross for our sins, we know that through that there is a way to life. And when we saw the tomb emptied, you raised from the dead, now interceding before the Father for us. We knew that this is not something that anyone could have invented, but this is your gospel, your good news to us, Lord. Give me and all my brothers and sisters the great joy 
of what it means to walk in light with you and with one another in Jesus name. Amen. This is Haven today and a program called Great Stories of Grace. I'm thankful that we could air this special interview once again from 2009 with my brother in Christ, the late Don Jacobs. Listening again, I find my heart yearning for the revival and renewal that he experienced. Oh, that we would all the more be in God's Word again and get on our knees and pray for such a movement of the Holy Spirit in each of us. And I want to be honest with you, I have felt this calling all the more after reading Dane Ortland's new book called Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. So many people are reading this new book and coming to a better understanding about the heart of Jesus. I've been blessed, but don't take my word for it. Come to our website, haventoday.org, haventoday.org. Listen to Dane read some of his book or read an excerpt for yourself that we've posted. Make your gift to the ministry and we'll get you either the hardback or the audio version read by the author. You can also call us for Gentle and Lowly, and the number to call right now is 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. And as a friend of mine says, read this book, and you'll understand God's grace in a whole new way. And while you're on our website, take a listen to our new podcast called Great Stories. We have a new episode up this week with an interview I did with gospel singer Andre Crouch. It's one of my favorite interviews as we sat around a Steinway piano singing songs and talking about our love for Jesus. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again we get to share together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. For your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. This little light of mine, an old children's song, yes, but more than a beautiful reflection on Jesus' words from Matthew 5:14. You are the light of the world, Jesus said. A city set on a hill. He was talking to the disciples like us. This little light is the light of faith, the light of faithfulness to the Lord. And Christ said, this little light doesn't belong hidden under a bushel basket. No, we must let it shine. He went on. In 5.16, he says, when our light shines, people give glory to the Father. Our light is a beacon, not a display. Our good deeds point upward because our faith isn't in ourselves. It's in Christ alone. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.